There is a podcast for everyone out there, but from the viewpoint of the male executive assistant, not so much. So here we go. Hello, ladies and hello, gentlemen. Welcome. I'm your host, Jonathan Brickwood, and I've been an assistant for more than 20 years. Being a man in what is decidedly a role filled by women has put me in some insightful, some hilarious, and certainly some very unique situations. During this podcast, I plan to share many of those experiences, as well as some of the tips and tricks and the do's and the don'ts that I've learned over the years, which is my way to bring a new perspective on an old profession. Whether you are a receptionist, a secretary, an executive assistant, somewhere above, below, or in between, retired, starting out, or mid-career, I hope that you find some enjoyment and something interesting from my ramblings. So please join me, ladies, and of course the gentlemen, as I bring you into my world, the world of the male admin, on my podcast, Hello Ladies, Perspectives from a Male Admin. Welcome, and welcome back. I'm Jonathan Brickwood, and this is Episode 7 of the podcast, Hello Ladies, Perspectives from a Male Admin. Thank you for joining me on this journey, and as always, thank you for your support. On this week's episode, Trusting in Technology, I focus on how technology has made a difference in the way admins support executives. From Outlook and the Power of Delegation, Technology has made the admin more than a typist and more than a file clerk. The use of technology has been both a marvel of increased productivity and has also cursed us with being able to be in constant contact. Though as I lean into my Star Trek inclinations, trusting in your technology is an important part of the job. That, though, is coupled with hoping that everything will work the way you need it to work when you need it to work, makes for some nerve-wracking moments. But on a personal note, this week's episode will be a bit shorter than usual, as I have been a bit under the weather, and wasn't able to dedicate as much time to this episode as I normally do, though I will likely do a revisitation of today's topics in a later episode, or in a special episode, later this month. But now, I bring you into my world, the world of the male admin. To begin this week's topics on technology, I start with the one we all now use, email. Once upon a time, the admin would deal with all of the correspondence, be it letters, faxes, and interoffice memos, or other such paper-produced material. Now, though, technology has changed all of that. We have a constant barrage of emails, very few faxes anymore, letters are an occasional occurrence, but not regular. Everything, though, now is email. Whether we need to be copied on them or not, or just copied on them for the sake of being included in the discussion, the ever-present notification reminds you that the work goes on, especially when you are delegated to your executive's email. I have been delegated for email of five of my executives, three who knew how best to use me when I had access to their email and how they could use that to their advantage, and two who did not. I have also supported several executives who didn't provide me delegated access to their email, one of which I will profile briefly. 
First up is the benefits of having delegated access to your executive's email. The primary benefit is that you are able to keep in the loop and on top of high priority and likely also highly confidential issues, which assist the admin in being able to best manage your executive. I have been able to adjust schedules and head off problems and interactions between my exec and others solely because I was able to see, in real time, the issues unfolding. Second is having delegated access makes locating and actioning historical items much easier. Being able to search back in your executive's email to locate a report or a correspondence chain between stakeholders is extremely beneficial. It frees up your executive's time to be able to focus on the other tasks at hand without having to fight with the Outlook search function, which is something we all don't like fighting with. Coupled on this, some of my execs I have supported are not as tech-savvy as myself, and so being able to delve into their email from my own computer and not having to sit down at theirs interrupting their work has had an immeasurable impact and is much more efficient. The third benefit of having delegated email access is the ability to triage. When an executive can receive upwards of hundreds of emails a day, being able to triage those emails to flag those of importance or those which require immediate action or attention is, from a productivity perspective, extremely beneficial. I keep my executive's email open alongside my own for this very reason. I delete meeting invites as I get them in my own email, newsletters, or other erroneous emails. I can also action emails requesting meetings without having to go to my executive in advance. Of course, there are certain emails where I have authority to action outside of that, such as different types of approvals, but usually I just let them know that they're there or I can forward on to someone else to action in my executive's place. Overall, though, having the delegated access to the email and being able to triage emails in real time makes everything flow much smoother. Now, while I've touched on the three main examples and benefits of having delegated access, there are many more, and each of those is the benefit that the admin and the executive find between themselves. So if any of my listeners have some which you'd like to recommend, you can find all of my contact information on Linktree. Please send them to me, and I would be happy to uh, add them in in a future episode. But these are just a few of the examples from my own experience. Of course, there are executives who, for various reasons, don't want to delegate their email. I never force it, as it's a personal decision, and it isn't necessary for me to do my job. It just makes it efficient and is very beneficial when it is done. However, the reasons for non-delegation may vary. The one reason which was provided to me recently as to why I shouldn't have access still grates on me a bit. When explaining that I shouldn't have access to their email... They cited privilege and confidentiality. Now, while I completely understand the reasoning, it was coupled with that they may have correspondence with the CEO regularly and that me having access to that email would break privilege. However, the chief of staff already had access to that email and the CEO's admin, I know, also had access to the CEO's email. So already the argument that my access to the general counsel's email would break privilege was already flawed. 
In hindsight, I realized the general counsel didn't afford me the trust that others had had, and that was the reason why that they didn't want to give me access to their email. It would have been nice to have been given a reason that was not so transparently false, which in of itself didn't help that relationship. Overall, though, having delegated access to executives' email shows a level of trust few can share. Calendar delegation, which I will focus on shortly, is something more freely given. Many direct reports or their admins have access to higher-ups' calendars, and this is beneficial for scheduling one-on-ones or department meetings to allow less rescheduling of meetings and to know where the direct reports are. But the delegation of email is something which rarely extends beyond the admin or a chief of staff. Having that level of access, especially in a C-suite where your executive would regularly have contact with other C-suite members, members of the board, and possibly where no one else is copied on those emails, is something which is only achieved through a certain level of trust. And that is the trust that is not easily given or received by either the admin or the executive at any level. Next up is the power of the electronic calendar. Either in Outlook or Google or any other device, almost 99%, I would say, of executive scheduling is now done electronically. Scheduling has come a long way from the days of the file of facts and the day planners. We now have them in the palm of our hand in our iPhones or Blackberries or Samsungs or what other device you want. We can now plan and schedule meetings with the click of a button, which though in of itself lends itself in some organizations to a culture of meetings for meetings sake. Some justified, some not so justified. But this, I will say, is a separate focus. The benefits of having an electronic schedule make scheduling significantly simpler. It's now no longer necessary for secretaries to call each other and maneuver time blocks around in paper to try and find an available slot. Most of the time, at least for meetings with one or two people, their availability can seen in a grid format and an open slot easily found. And if a meeting room is needed for any of those irregular in-person meetings, that too can easily be added. Attendees' confirmations arrive electronically and follow-ups if they decline or if they need to find a new time, along with meeting materials and agendas, can be easily followed up on. For more complex meetings, it is not unusual for several admins to jump on a Teams call or a group chat or circulate an email to find a common block of time for all of the executives or all of the participants. This is particularly relevant when you support a C-suite exec, where all of their calendars look like a game of Tetris. Me personally, I use the shared Excel file method. I create an Excel file with all of the executives listed down the left-hand side and their admins, and along the top I list the dates that I'm trying to find the common time. I then send the shared file to the admins and they enter their respective executives' availability in their cells under the dates. I find that if the meeting isn't urgent, this method is by far the fastest, and you can find at a quick glance, usually an open time block that works for all. Of course, one of the other benefits of the electronic calendar is the benefit of delegation. 
having several delegated calendars as an admin can significantly improve efficiency. While moving meetings around that have participants included where you have all of their delegated calendars, it makes that Tetris game so much simpler because you can simply move everything around yourself. A significant disadvantage, though, is that you then become inundated with all of the meeting invites and all of the responses, even when you are only passively managing the calendar. I currently have only one active delegated calendar, my executives, and three passive calendars, my executives' direct reports, as I am a one-man show. Stepping away from the topic of delegation, trusting in technology has had a significant impact on how we, as admins and as execs, communicate. Phones and faxes used to be the fastest method, with mail and courier coming next. Email added to that immediacy, and the advent of instant messaging software took the place of the memo slipped in front of the executive while they were on a call. One of the most significant benefits of technology that I have encountered firsthand is how material is prepared for management meetings and for board of directors meetings. In my first role, I helped the corporate secretary compile the quarterly board package. This consisted of 10 days before the meeting, getting all of the material from the departments in hard copy printed format, double-sided, stapled in the top left-hand corner, and hole-punched. We would then book a boardroom for a day, preferably one with a round table, and pull all of the chairs up against the wall. We then set out, in agenda order, each of the packages in their own pile, all the way around the table. We would then proceed to walk around the table with a binder in hand and divider tabs at the ready, and insert each of the reports into their respective tab, picking it up from the table. Occasionally, we'd have to replace a piece of that package, and that could take up to an hour with 25 binders to prepare, where we'd have to open each binder, take out the part, make sure that part was properly shredded, and put the new piece in. The binders would then be sealed in envelopes and either hand-delivered or couriered by secure messenger to each of the board directors and to each of the executives. All of this would happen so that the directors would have their binders at least seven business days prior to the meeting, and they would all review them in hard copy because there were no PDFs at that point. You couldn't find and search and highlight electronically. It was all done on paper. Now, none of this is necessary. All materials arrive as PDFs. They can be digitally uploaded into a digital version of that binder. I myself have used Diligent almost exclusively in my most recent roles. And if any changes have to be made to any of those documents and any of those electronic tabs, it can now take minutes and not hours. The level of security and access restrictions that can now be put in place are much better than having someone run an envelope across town, even if that was me. I've prepared packages both ways, and I have to say that the digital way is far superior to the paper method. Though the paper method did lend itself to some fun bonding between myself, the corporate secretary, and the corporate secretary's admin, the time saved is significant. On this week's Featured Admin in the Media, I feature Murphy Brown and her rotating cast 
of secretaries. During the run of the show, including the reboot, Murphy Brown went through, by common count, 93 independent secretaries. These included, my favorite, the neurotic returning Robert with the bow tie. Then there was Stanley Himmelfarb, the sick and ill secretary, to Jerry, the secretary who thought Murphy was into him, to Patricia Groomwall, the special telephone friend, and to Mrs. Caldwell, who couldn't keep anything straight, and especially interesting, the Eliza Doolittle wannabe method actress. Of course, Murphy Brown did have some very notable, awful secretaries, which included John F. Kennedy Jr., Bette Midler, Sally Field, Leslie Jordan, Marsha Wallace, and most recently, Hillary Clinton, when she was running for president. Though I was never a big fan of the show, I do remember seeing many times the rotating secretaries. If you're interested in seeing all of them, there is a compilation on YouTube in about seven parts, spanning about an hour and an hour and a half, if you're interested in seeing them all. We've now reached the end of episode seven, a shorter episode than my previous ones, but hopefully no less interesting. I'd like to thank you for joining me this week and for my returning listeners for joining me again. Next week, on Episode 8, I will focus on what it's like to support a member of the senior leadership team. There are many nuanced aspects to supporting a C-suite member, but not all C-suite members are members of the management team. Equally, not all management team members are members of the C-suite. I'll focus on the differences between the two and some of the challenges, and of course, some of the excitements that both bring to the role. In episode 9, I'll focus on event planning and the planning of off-site meetings, both large and small. It will be a timely episode, as over the next three weeks, I will be attending two separate off-sites, one from my division, where I'm assisting the CFO's admin, and the other from my own department, where I'm the primary organizer. And the following week, in episode 10, I'll focus on supporting across time zones and arranging travel. It will coincide with Canadian Thanksgiving, so the episode might be slightly delayed depending on my own plans, but I will absolutely make sure that some content gets out in advance, even if it's just a short video. Like always, as I now get into a better swing with these episodes, I would like to thank all my dedicated listeners for your support. I haven't yet determined what the exclusive content will be for you, but that will be coming very soon. So... Until next time, have a great week. I'm Jonathan Brickwood, and this has been the perspective of a male admin.